I want to give you a little bit of an update of where we're at, as many of you know, uh, kind of this little side project the church (laughs) we've been involved in, uh, is uh, we got contacted back in November about, uh, you know, from these, uh, some TV producers from L.A., they produced The Biggest Loser and a bunch of other TV shows and stuff, and they contacted us and said, hey, we, we would love to do a reality show around you. And we said, okay. So uh, so we started working on this. Deb and I flew out to Hollywood. We met with the uh, big wigs at Sony Television Pictures on their big lot. I mean, it was quite the, quite the deal. They were all excited about it. So, And then they followed us around with cameras for a few weeks, so you saw that on a couple of Sundays everywhere. I went cameras everywhere just filming every step we took in all of our crazy conversations. Because they wanted to get to learn more about us and come up with the best concepts. So they've come up with two concepts that they are pitching to Sony this week. Concept number one, a show basically called Marriage 911. Whereas people, <laughs> people who are disasters needing help and then we come in and, and straighten them out. The other concept they're pitching is called Undercover Pastor. that funny? So what they would do is they would put me in situations you'd never expect to see a pastor. You know, maybe like a bartender at a bar or something or whatever like that. And uh, the premise, they said, is because people will spill their guts to strangers. I said, really? Yeah, says, it happens all the time. You know, bartenders will tell people, tell you stuff. Hairdressers will tell, you know, everybody just spills their guts. Apparently they do this because they feel comfortable. They want to tell somebody and they can tell you because they don't know you. And you don't know anybody they know. So they can just kind of go off. And I thought, really? So I was real interested about it. Because when Deb and I travel, we try not to talk to anybody. <laughs> it's true. We just thought, your hair looks fabulous, by the way. Uh, we, <laughs> ding. Um, <laughs> little point there on the side. Uh, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, we don't talk to anybody. We travel around because we're, when we get there, we talk non-stop. I show up Friday night, three hours, Saturday morning, three hours, come back here, preach for three, four hours, you know, and just, we don't want to talk to anybody. So our rule is no eye contact, no eye contact. <laughs> so we're in, in an airport and uh, I was getting a chair massage thing. I said, people talk to strangers. Huh? So, so I don't normally talk to anybody, but I thought, well, I started engaging this lady in conversation. And in 30 seconds, she's telling me her whole life story about her divorce and her dating problems and her kids driving her crazy. I thought, wow, people apparently really do talk to strangers. So that's the second concept. So they expect Sony to pick one this week. It's really not a question of if they're going to do this. They're going to do it. They just want to know which one they're going to do. So they're already waiting for the next step. The next step is they want to come and do what's called a concept reel or a sizzle reel is the term they use. But what it is, they come in and they shoot the idea that they kind of have in place. And what they want to do is get me working with some couples. So they asked me to ask you to find some couples uh, that would be interested in meeting with me and to help them through their crazy, okay? Now, they don't want anybody in the church because quite frankly, we could do five seasons right here. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> one after another, come on in, yep, there we go. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why, I don't care why, just, they just they think, oh, it's gotta be someone from outside your church. So. Uh, so they said, ask your people if they know of any couples who would be willing to come 
and basically let me work with them with some cameras on. Now, no one will actually see this. This is just for these producers to see what I do, okay? So now we're talking normal marriage crazy, not super psycho crazy. You know, like, you know, gee, I'm sorry I've been sleeping with your sister for the last three years. You know, none of that, okay? In fact, no sex stuff at all. No, commit adultery, none of this crazy stuff. I'm talking just normal crazy, all right? Everybody's got normal crazy. Most people get divorced over normal crazy, and it's really sad because it doesn't need to happen. Uh, they get frustrated. They start looking for divorce because they don't know where else to turn. When, in fact, marriage problems are the easiest problems in the world to fix. Uh, personal, psycho-crazy problems, that's very complicated. One of the most misdiagnosed problems in the world is marriage counseling. People, you know, someone's an alcoholic or no self-esteem or, you know, immoral problems or whatever, and they go in for marriage counseling because their marriage is hurting. Yeah, your marriage is hurting, but that's a side effect of it. You don't have a marriage problem. You got a deep personal problem. That you need some real serious help from some, some trained psychologist or counselor or something. Uh, but marriage problems are actually the easiest problems in the world to fix. People who are frustrated, don't understand each other, disconnecting, try to need to reconnect. And we will spend time with them and help them. It won't cost them anything. Uh, the only thing is they got to allow us to, uh, to tape it. And again, no one's going to see it at this point. Um, so anyway, if you can find some people that you know that would be game for that, uh, you know, they might eventually want to shoot a show around them. You know, we don't know. What they do now is they'll take that sizzle reel and then they now will pitch it. The final step is to pitch it to the networks. That's where we're getting to. Once we get this done, then this reel go, and they walk into ABC, NBC, CBS, all these people they know, and try to get one of these networks to pick it up. Once a network picks it up, then we're off to the races, and Crazyville kicks in, and it'll be a lot of fun. All right, so that's, I need your help uh, on that. If you can find someone, know someone, uh, give us a call at the church, and uh, we'll try and connect with them. Actually, once you find some people, then the producers want to talk to them make sure they're the right kind of people for the show. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Uh, at the same time, just recently, in the last week or so, we got contacted uh, by people from France. Now, I don't know how much you know of Hollywood and all this kind of stuff. Uh, they have these big, you know, gala events every year. One of the biggies is what's called the Cannes Film Festival. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a big stinking deal. Okay, these are the, all the A-list actors and directors and producers that all go together and they hobnob in Cannes, France, which is on the, you know, Riviera, uh, really hoity-toity place, uh, south of France on the Mediterranean Sea. And, uh, and one of the premier, actually the premier event of the week is, you know, at this big dinner. Uh, well, that dinner contacted me and asked if I would come and speak at this year's dinner in a couple of weeks, which is like, wow. It'll be hosted by Sharon Stone, introducing me. So, <laughs> wait till they get a load of this. So, uh, you say, oh, is that because they heard about your TV thing? No, not at all. They don't know anything about it. When I told the TV people, they were shocked. and said, really? Well, how did that happen? Let us know all about it, because I want to tell Sony about it and stuff like that. So this is totally unrelated, out of the clear blue sky. Now, this is going to happen just in a few weeks, the, the 20th of May. They're uh, taking us over there, and we're going to hang out and do this thing, uh, and uh, pretty wild. So then Thursday, 
morning, I get a call. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, okay? <laughs> I get contacted. This Some multi-gazillionaire heard I'm going to be in Cannes, France. Well, just up the road from them is a little country of Monaco. And he's going to have his private yacht moored there and is having a dinner with some private friends and they want me to come and do something for their little party. Apparently, I'm a dancing monkey now. <laughs> so, <laughs> except they want me to discount my rate. Seriously, you got a yacht in the south of France and you want me to give you a break on the rate? You yeah, turds. So, so we'll see. <laughs> that one may not happen. We'll see. The redhead wants me to do it no matter what because she wants to go, you know. We just laugh at this stuff. I told her, she just giggled, you know, because you can't make this stuff up. And then uh, after that, I got a call from a guy who is the associate producer on a film that's coming out in June called Persecuted. You'll be seeing it as a dark thriller and stuff. It's about Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. It's, it's, it's got like a couple of Academy Award winning actors and stuff. Anyway, that guy calls me and says he has an idea for a romantic comedy. He wants to know if I'd be in the romantic comedy thing. So again, you can't make this stuff up. Now, all of that, I want to turn into my sermon this morning. All right. I know we're studying the, the, the creed. We've got a few more lines to go through, but I want to just say this is a teaching moment. It's a great opportunity to share uh, you know, as we live our lives and encourage you in your faith. I want to talk about how to know the will of God. How do you know the will of God? I've called this sermon, The Door, the Spirit, and the Word. Sounds like a movie, but it's not. The Door, the Spirit, and the Word. I want to talk about how you can know the will of God. Now, for many, 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 many years, preachers have talked about getting to know the will of God as some great, deep, very complicated mystery. And then if you cry enough and you pray enough and you fast enough and you do enough and if you just cry, oh God, show me your will, show me your will, then eventually somehow, if you're lucky, God will reveal his will to you. I think that is patently false. Again, lots of big preachers preach this way. They could be right. I could be wrong. I just think they're wrong. It's inconsistent. It makes no sense. It's the will of God. It's what God wants you to do. Why would he hide it? It is patently absurd. Jesus gave the analogy once talking about how God wants to bless people. And he told him, he said, look, he talked about his parents. He says, if you being evil know how to give your kids good things, why would God not give you good things, right? We know this uh, when he talked about the Sermon on the Mount. Well, using the same analogy, let me ask you parents a question. If you want your kids to do something, do you clearly tell them what you want them to do? Or do you wait for them to fall at your feet for hours at a time saying, Oh, Father, what dost thou have for me today? I'm pretty sure it's the former. You clearly communicate. This is what I want you to do. If you're an employer, do you wait for your employees to find out your will? Or do you tell them what you want them to do? You tell them what you want them to do. If you being evil know how to clearly communicate your will to people, why would God be any different? God will tell you what he wants you to do. He's a big boy. It's his will. The problem is a lot of people are not paying attention and they live off in fantasy land and they're missing it. Three ways that you can learn about the will of God in your life. Number one, we're going to talk about the door. In Revelations, the third chapter, Jesus is speaking to John the apostle before he starts telling him about the end of the world. He said, listen, I got a couple of messages I want you to send to the church. He says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, 
And this is not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is Philadelphia in Greece somewhere. Uh, tell him this. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. While he opens, no one can shut. And while he shuts, nobody can open. God has a way of opening and closing doors to let you know where he wants you. I've told you many, many times, I'm not nearly as spiritual as people talk. Uh, a lot of pastors, you know, God told me this, God told me. I don't hear a lot of voices. I hear my wife's voice, you know. Get out of bed! But beyond that, I don't hear. The way God directs me is he closes every window and door in the house, opens one door, and lights the house on fire. And then I feel motivated to move in a certain direction. Okay? People, you know, when we were first talking about this, you know, thing, you know, with this TV show, well, well, you know, is this, is this really what God wants you to do? Apparently, it is. Okay? Just based on the doors that he's opening around us that aren't even connected to each other. I mean, amazing opportunities all pointing us I think God wants us to speak into this world. I don't know how, why, what it's all going to turn into. I have no stinking idea. But it's going to be quite the ride. All right? And it's fun to watch. I'm not sitting around groaning and moaning trying to discover the will of God. I can see the will of God as he opens and closes doors before us. It is one of the most powerful, clear ways to know the will of God. It's amazing to me how many people do not get this concept. I know of people who claim they feel led by God to do this, that, and the other, but there's no confirmation in any way, shape, or form. That's what God wants them to do. Talked to one guy once, many, many years, he was a younger guy, and said, you know, I feel God wants me to be a youth pastor. I said, really? So do you work with youth now? No. Do you go to any youth meetings? No. Has anyone asked you to get involved in youth ministry? No. But I just know God's called me, you know. Well, 30 years later, he's still not in youth ministry. The people are delusional. If God's not show, and there's no doors, no anything, I don't, there's people like this all the time. One of the biggest ones is ministry, actually. I feel called to the ministry. I know God's called me to preach. I just know that. Really? Have you ever done a Bible study? No, but I just know God's doing it. Man, if no one's asked, if there's no opportunities for you, and there's no doors opening, I think you need to step back and do a reality check. The converse is true. I have a friend who called me once, he'd been, in a handful of years, he'd been fired like five times from different churches. And he called me and said, man, I just got fired again. But I know God's called me to the ministry. I said, I don't think he has. <laughs> you know, of course, he's shocked. You know, how could you say that? Well, dude, everywhere you go, everybody says you suck. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm fired five times? There's a pattern here. Most people haven't gotten fired that many times in their entire lives. But he's called by God. Called. Really? You know, you come to me and say, listen, I feel that God wants me to go to Africa. I'll call you on it. How do you know that? Well, you know, I was, I was praying about it. And I said, well, that can't be right. And I turned on the TV and there was a story about Africa. And I thought, well, that's kind of unusual. And next day I met a guy from Africa and said, oh, you really ought to go there someday. And then three days later, somebody handed me a couple of tickets to go to Africa. What do you think? I, I think that's the will of God for you, okay? <laughs> and believe it or not, there'll be some people who still wonder about that. Well, I, I just need to pray about it. I just need to pray, pray. Really? People ask me, Pastor, have you prayed about these opportunities? Not really. I prayed ahead of time. 
okay? The normal is you'd be praying, directing God's hand in your life, and then you get answers to prayer. I was just praying a couple of weeks ago. Honestly, I was praying and say, God, open up some quick opportunities for us. Because you have to understand, usually in my world, you get booked like a year in advance. Okay, I'm typically booked a year to year and a half in advance because people plan for these big deals a year. Well, I got, so I'm thinking we're heading for summer. It's usually a real tough time for us because nobody wants to do these events. So I'm praying, God, open up some unusual opportunities for us to make a bunch of money right now. Some corporate opportunities and stuff. A week later, I get the thing from the cans people and the crazy cycle guy with the yacht and, and another one from Poland. They call us, that's not even related. That's another trip we're making. Uh, we're going off to Poland, gonna be there for a week and make a bunch of money, all right? <laughs> and all of this had happened like in the last week. Since last Sunday, me showing up, talking to you about this stuff. So did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed about it before it happened. I said, God, give us some opportunities. When the opportunities show up, I didn't go, well, now let me pray about it some more. <laughs> you know, how do you know it's the will of God? I think it's the will of God. You pray about it, God shows up, gives the answers to prayer. You know, when the cans thing, I said, so you're talking about next year? They said, no, in, in a few weeks. I thought, <laughs> right? Because that's what I was just praying for. Now, how, now, I don't know, how do you do the cans gig and you're looking for somebody a few weeks out? Somebody must have canceled on them or something. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why any of this is happening. Apparently, middle-aged, slightly overweight, balding Puerto Rican grandfathers are a hot deal right now. <laughs> you, know, I guess you can see why, right? You can't make, I didn't do any of this. I didn't call anybody. I don't know these people. It's called God answering prayers and opening doors. Now, if I'm walking around saying, I just feel God's called me to Hollywood. I just, would you pray with me? We're just praying God. But there's no doors. No one calls. Nothing wants. And those people are like that. They live in a delusional state constantly. It's been years and years and years of like convinced God's called to do something, but there's no confirmation at all. Stop it. Look for the doors to open and close. Because God is a big boy. He knows how to make things happen. If the doors are not opening and closing for you, I don't think it's right for you. Well, that's the door. Next one is the spirit. Okay, we're not necessarily going in order of importance. Actually, we're going oppositely, but uh, they all need to work together. G, uh, Romans says this, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Now, the spirit of God can speak to you in lots of different ways. You can hear a still small voice or feel something on your heart or maybe have a dream. Dreams are cool. I had some pretty cool spiritual dreams. Or maybe have a vision. I've never really had that. Oh, I, I did when I was a hippie, but those weren't spiritual. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, okay? So, uh, you know, but I mean, God shows up and, you know, and an angel appears. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive, all right? But even then, you should now immediately expect doors to open. Do you see how these tie together? If you say, I have a vision, an angel told me I'm supposed to go to Africa, but I got no money, I don't know anybody in Africa, I don't know what to do, I think you had pizza too late at night, okay? And the mushrooms were bad. You need to expect God to show up. Here's a real good one. Colossians says this. In chapter 3, Paul wrote this. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, that word rule is like to play the umpire. It's kind of like a more literal translation. Uh, calling the rules is like an umpire, a, a referee. Referees generally don't say anything unless you do something wrong. If you're doing something wrong or about to do something wrong, you're lined up off sides, woo, the whistle goes off, Okay. Otherwise, you don't go around checking with the ref constantly. You know, you see players stopping and saying, you know, 
how are we doing over here? Because uh, you know, I wonder if you noticed anything I could be doing better. You know, they don't care. They're not connected to that. They just do it, and then the ref blows the whistle. Ah, somebody messed up. This is in every sport. Well, that analogy is for us spiritually. If you're about to do something and all of a sudden whistles go off inside you, spiritually speaking, you can sense something's like, whoa, if something's not right, that's called the spirit of God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let him play the umpire in your heart. Sometimes it's after you do something. You get really mad and you are truly justified in your anger. And you know you are right to tell that person to stick it. And later all of a sudden, ah, 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 something goes off. What is that? That means go apologize, you moron. Okay? Why? You're letting the peace of Christ rule in your heart. You blew, you did something offsides, you did something you weren't supposed to do. The whistle goes off. Let that spirit of God play the umpire in your life. And let God, God will speak to you in a very, all kinds of different ways. But again, it shouldn't be a big mystery. You don't get some big spiritual thing and then nothing happens. And again, this hap I cannot tell you how many people I've known all my life who are absolutely convinced God has called them or told them to do something and no opportunities, nothing ever happens. I think they're delusional. If you're walking around like that, stop it. Okay? It all has to work together. In fact, a lot of these people then turn around and get mad at everybody else because nobody else is opening the doors for them. The pastor's not recognizing my ability uh, singing in the church. You know, I feel called to be a singer. Can you sing? Not really. But I really feel called. You're, you're crazy, okay? Check your medication. And then the word. Jesus said this in Mark, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, this is actually the most important one. This one has the final say. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks. All that matters is what God thinks. And when God's word is absolutely crystal clear, you don't violate God's principles. I don't care if you have a vision from heaven. I don't care if all of a sudden in your heart you really feel led to commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. And an angel appears to you and says, Thus saith the angel, thou shalt boink thy neighbor's wife. And other angels start singing, boink, 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 And suddenly you're all alone by yourselves. It must be God. It's a coincidence. How could this all happen? No! It's not God. I don't care what angels you see. I don't care what visions you see. I don't care what circumstances, whatever doors open or close that you might think might be God. If it is in direct violation to God's word, you don't do it. Now, the biggest example of this, quite frankly, is with sexual sin. There are all kinds of people in our campus listening to me right now who are involved in sexual sin. You know you're involved in sexual sin. We talk about it all the time. You don't care. But you justify it because you say, but we're in love. We love each other. I know we're not supposed to be having sex, but we love, we love each other. And you may truly love each other. In fact, and I'm not saying this facetiously or sarcastically, you might be experiencing the greatest human love that has ever existed on the planet of this earth, ever, in the history of mankind. It's still wrong. See, because human love is not greater than God. There's nothing greater than God. And that's the whole shtick today, right? Well, I know you we weren't supposed to commit adultery, but we, we fell in love. We just feel it's God's will because we're in love. It doesn't matter. And all the other, you know, sexual lifestyles. You know, kind of frog be married to a chicken, you know, whatever. Or as long as they love each other. It's all that matters. Love. No. I don't care. And God doesn't care. 
how much you love anybody. I don't care what form of sexual immorality is out there where they say, but we love each other. It means nothing as far as God is concerned. It doesn't matter, but we do love each other. It doesn't change anything. It's wrong. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to pay attention to this and stop doing what is wrong and start honoring God in your life. Okay? Especially the fornicating. That I don't understand. You're not married and having... That's just, there's no reason for that. Just marry the girl. Marry the girl and you have sex your eyeballs pop out. Okay? <laughs> Every other version, I guess, very complicated. There's no way to make that right. But the fornicate, there's no ever reason to fornicate. You want to have sex? Marry the girl. It's very, very simple. Don't, girls, treat yourself with some respect. Don't let some guy use you. Well, I know we'll eventually get married. Yeah, sure you will. It's like a car salesman who says, you know what, I'm going to let you drive this car and give you a credit card. You can put as much gas as you want in, and, and once you really feel like you really like it, you can come and pay me for it. <laughs> yeah, right. They'll run that car until there's nothing left and go get another one. You don't give the guys the keys up front. All right? But we, I don't care. Stop it. Stop! This whole culture has got people brainwashed with this idea, as long as you love, it's okay. It's not. And I mean, if you truly love beyond, I mean, you make Romeo and Juliet look like amateurs. It doesn't change a thing. Because human love is not greater than God. There's nothing greater than God. God doesn't look at you and go, oh, I guess I was wrong. All right? The word of God is the final determinator. Now, what happens is when you got all three of these things working for you, you know you're in the will of God. Here's an example in the book of uh, Acts. Actually, there's examples of this all throughout the New Testament. But here's just one little account. Now, an angel of the Lord says to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. An angel tells you to go to Jerusalem to Gaza, you go on the road. So he goes on the road. He starts out on his way. He meets this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, he's a yo mama guy. He's an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. I mean, this is a major player in the world, like going to Cairns or something. He's a big, you know, yacht kind of guy. And so this guy goes uh, on his way. He's sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And he's reading it out loud. Well, the spirit tells Philip, hey, go stand by that chariot. So he's on the road. Goes, stand by, goes by the chariot. Just happens to hear him reading out loud from the Bible. What a coincidence. Again, these are these doors and stuff that open up. And uh, so Philip says to the guy, do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So Philip, so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So Philip comes up and they start reading and Philip starts explaining to him because he's reading passages about the Messiah. So we pick it up down at verse 34. Then the eunuch asked Philip, you know, reading about this Messiah, he says, who's this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Okay, he didn't just run around shoving Jesus in his guy's face. He's there because the Spirit of God told him to get there. Coincidentally, there's this guy reading out loud from the Bible. He's listening to him. He asks him questions. What do you think? Now he shares with him about Jesus. So they're going along, verse 36, and uh, they come to some water, and this eunuch says, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Philip didn't say, well, let's pray about it. Let's pray right now whether or not we should baptize, you know. You don't have to pray about stuff that's blatantly obvious. 
okay? It's clear you're there on purpose. God has you there for a reason. The guy wants to believe in Jesus and you just happen to pull up to some water. Go baptize the guy. So that's what he does. Gives orders for the chariot to stop. Philip and the eunuch go down into the water and Philip baptized him. The real cool part is when they come out of the water, the spirit of God suddenly snatches Philip away. The guy just disappears. Now, if I'm the eunuch, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> First of all, this guy shows up, starts preaching to you. You become a believer in Jesus. He baptizes you. You get up and whoo, the guy disappears. That's impressive. Okay. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Well, what happens to Philip? Philip, however, appeared at Azostus. So suddenly God just picks him up and sticks him over here. I don't think Philip was wondering, I wonder where God wants me to go next. <laughs> Why? It's obvious. When God zapped you from one spot to the other, that's the hand of God. Why would God do that? Because God wanted him there. God's a big boy. He knows how to get things where he wants them, people where he wants them, when he wants them, intentionally. Don't stress out about the will of God. He's a big God. He shows up. Things start happening and doors start opening and get all kinds of confirmations and it's consistent with God moving in your heart and consistent with the scriptures for, for what you should be doing. You can walk in confidence. And these guys throughout the Bible did this over and over and over again. God would speak to them or sometimes they just start doing something and all, then all of a sudden then God showed up with a consequence or a opening doors and closing doors. That's how they always knew. They weren't walking around in a fuzzy state. So, well, pastor, I don't know. I, I, I just work at Burger King and take care of my family. How, how do I know what I should be doing? My guess is you should be working at Burger King and taking care of your family. Okay? Be content. The Bible says whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your heart. And listen to me. Above all, remember that most of the Bible in the New Testament, when it talks about the will of God, it ne almost never talks about what you should do. Everybody's obsessed about the will of God. What should I do? How do I know the will of God? What do I do? That's not the main emphasis. The will of God is about how you should be. Christ in you. The kind of person you should be. The kind of patience you should have. The way you should interact with one another. This is the will of God for you. The technical stuff, when God wants you to do something, I promise you, if he wants you to do something unusual or out of the way, he will show up and he will make it clear to you. Is the Spirit of God leading you? Is it consistent with the Bible? And is God opening and closing doors? That's how you know you can go into areas that you've never been in. Deb and I are about to step into areas we've never been before in our lives. And we're doing it with total confidence. Why? We think it's God. You can't do this on your own. We can't. It's just God is consistent. So you go and you trust God to be with you. We don't know what's going to happen when we get there. Uh, maybe nothing. You know, my main goal was just to get some extra money <laughs> for, the, for the summer. Hallelujah, you know. I don't know. Maybe we and Sharon become really close friends. Not likely, but you don't know. Okay? You don't know who God's going to connect you with. What's he going to do? What Ethiopian eunuch on the way we will meet that is in charge of all the Egypt treasures? We don't know. You just be honest. You be open. And you just live the will of God wherever you are. Above all, don't stress out about it. God has you where he wants you. How do you know that? Because you're where you are right now. How do I know the will of God? Where are you? I'm right here. That's the will of God. He'll show you. Now, if God is showing you clearly, every time you turn around, you see pictures of Africa and someone hands you tickets to Africa and everything else, and you're saying, I just don't want to go. Now you got a problem. Now you're fighting God. Then, then that's the, uh, you know, situation you might be thrown overboard and officials swallow you. 
God has a way of getting you where he wants you, okay? So uh, don't stress that about these things. Above all, just look for those three things. If they're lining up consistently in your life, you can walk in confidence and just be the best you you can be everywhere you go. Remember Joseph? Joseph had a dream that God was going to make him a great leader someday. First thing that happens, his brother sell him off into slavery. Talk about an opportunity to whine, complain, and bellyache. And where is God? And I'm not in the will of God anymore. I can't be in the will of God. God spoke to me by the Spirit. I was like, oh, the Spirit of the Lord. I'm supposed to be a great leader, and now I'm a slave. But you know what Joseph did? He never complained, and he was the best slave he could possibly be. Because wherever he was at, he just planted, well, he bloomed where he was planted, man. And he became the best slave of the house. They gave him all the power of all the other slaves. Then he gets framed for something he didn't do. They arrest him and throw him into prison. Now, you and I, we'd be complaining big time. Did he complain? He did not. He became the best prisoner he could possibly be. So much so that Pharaoh heard about it. Calls him up one morning from, from the prison. Had to clean him up because it's pretty icky in the prison. By the end of the day, he's the second most powerful man in the world. That morning, he woke up in shackles and rat caca all around him and all the other, you know, whatever, you know, I've never been there, but I'm sure it's pretty awful. By that evening, he's the most powerful man, other than the king himself, in the world, with wealth, power, and authority. The Bible said there was not a single thing done in Egypt that he did not have authority over. And it all happened in a day. Well, how did God get him there? Well, his brothers threw him into slavery. He goes down, he gets thrown into prison, in Egypt, God's got him right where he wants him. <laughs> now, personally, I'd rather just have a vision and someone hand me the tickets, all right? <laughs> but even going through all that, God was always in charge. Even when it feels like you're stuck in a smelly, creepy prison. If you're walking with God, if you're not, then all bets are off. You're on your own. That's the comfort of being a Christian. When you're honoring God and putting God first in your life, you can walk with confidence, even when you're a slave, even when you're thrown into prison, that God is getting you where he wants you. Who knows? By the end of the day, you might be the second most powerful person in the world. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Help us to understand your will, nothing to be afraid of or feel like we have to dig and prod and try to understand. It's your will. You'll tell us what you want us to do. You have a way of opening and closing doors, leading us by your spirit, and directing us by your word. Help us to be in tune with all of that so we can live lives of confidence, living out our faith in you so that we can be the blessing in the earth that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Bless you. Amen.